Hi everyone. Welcome to another in our series of faith stories. I'm Norbert Fullerton, one of the elders here at Billwicky Baptist Church. And with me today, Mel, welcome. Thank you. Before we dive into uh, your journey over the last few months, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, so I'm Mel. Um, I grew up in this church since I was a little teeny tiny top um, and I went through all the children's groups in the church until I was 18. Um, I then went off to university, studied early childhood, um, came back for a short while and went on a crazy adventure. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, tell us a little bit about that um, adventure that you went on. Yeah, so um, I went to Kenya. Yeah. Um, I kind of always wanted to do a mission trip or yeah. a trip to a different culture, um, just experience something different yeah. um, and just go on an adventure with God, really. But I didn't think that I could do it. Okay. Uh, it's a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that I would be able to. Yeah. Um, but I realised I was kind of doing it out of my own strength and thinking, I want to do this for me, not yeah. I want to do this for God. So what did you get up to then? And what was your typical day like? Mm, okay, so um, I... Actually, what I did and what I applied to do were two very different things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I applied to do uh, childcare okay. uh, because that's kind of what I know yeah. in my degree and everything. That's what I knew. Uh, but I got there and they said to me, oh, by the way, uh, you're not doing that anymore. You're doing teaching. Um, we're going to put you in this school doing this and this, this, this. I thought, okay, all right then. Um, a little scary then. Scary, definitely scary. But I thought, again, this isn't me doing this. This is God working through me. So, all right, okay. let's go. Yeah. Dive right in, two feet, here we go. Yeah. So I had my own class of four, five, and six-year-olds. Okay. There was 80 children in one class. Um, they would get to school at 6 a.m., finish at 6 p.m. Uh, That's a long day. A very long day. So, So I wasn't there for the whole day. Um, I would get there at kind of eight because that's when I was told it was safest to walk to school. It was a little bit later and I would finish at four or five o'clock because that's when it was safe to walk home. So they were there longer um, and I was told that if I wasn't there they wouldn't have a teacher um, and I was preparing them for their national exams which were coming up. So long school day, long school day, um, but it was great. And then I would go home and I was living with a family in Kenya in a semi-slum village. Mm -hmm. um, and there was one boy who was 11 years old and his mum. So yeah, after a long day, I'd then go home and spend the evening with them okay. and do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So <clears throat> you, you shared that journey. What were some of the Apart from the language barrier, mm. you know, Swahili and, yeah, and so on, yeah. um, what were some of the other challenges that you faced initially? Yeah, so I, I definitely found um, looking in, just looking in really hard. Right. Um, before I went, I thought, it's going to be the food. The food is going to, I'm not going to be able to do it. And it's going to be the bucket showers. I can't do that. And me, me, me. Um, yeah. But when I got there, that was a privilege <laughs> to be able to eat the food that they ate mm -hmm. and live the way that they live. Um, I found looking in and thinking, I am kind of helpless. Mm -hmm. I'm not, but I am, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much that me looking in wants to do, yeah. 
but actually realizing that this is what they're used to and there's so much joy in these children even though this is what they're going through um so how did you overcome some of these challenges then I struggled. <laughs> I really, really struggled. Yeah, um, good. yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I prayed about it. I yeah. spoke to some of my friends about it and um, just really felt I can only do what I can do. And and that's helping enough, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And one person said to me, me being there and going and bringing new activities and new games and new ways to do things. Yeah. Um, is helping enough um but then the church said look let's donate let's help let's do what we can yeah. all together um which i am so grateful for the prayers the messages yeah. the monetary donations mm. the check-ins everything like that really really helped because it, it i did struggle for there was a probably a two-week period and i thought i don't think i can do this i'm so invested I'm almost too invested. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to leave before everything's fixed. Yeah. But you can't you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. And I definitely by the end of the trip, I spoke to my host mum about it as well. Um and was praying about it and you really felt what you're doing is enough. But just being content and being peaceful and yeah. just being there. Um if that's all I can do, that's yeah. all I can do. Yeah. And you volunteered in two different schools. I did, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the, the second one. Mm. So I was at the first school for two months yeah. and kind of felt like I'd done what I needed to do there. Mm. Um, so the yeah, we managed to donate a month's worth of food to them as a church and donate textbooks mm. and uh, we got a computer for them so they could Wonderful. work... Um, use YouTube they yeah. could use YouTube learn on YouTube um, and they were so grateful for that and then they went off and did their national exams and I thought okay I feel like this is closure this is kind of time to move on yeah. I really felt like God was saying to me okay we've done we've done our work here yeah. now we go here yeah. um, so I, I listened to that and off I went <laughs> um, so I had a meeting with the head teacher who was just amazing he was such a joy um and every day i'd get to school and he'd say are you good are you strong are you okay are we ready for the day and it was just such a thrilling environment yeah. it was it was so nice to be there and we learned origami we learned sign language we did gardening just anything that they wanted to do yeah. i said i'm here i'm here for you let's do it um they were a little bit older these children they were kind of four to fifteen yeah. so we could talk easier yeah. with each other and um, they prayed every morning they prayed at the end of the day before meals you could really feel god in that school um which was such a delight to be in it was yeah it was amazing <laughs> so you described earlier um some of the challenges that you faced mm. what was the most rewarding uh, of those last few months yeah um okay most rewarding I'd say I've got two. Is that allowed? Uh, all right. We'll allow it. <laughs> so um, I would say in the first school, yeah. um, when people ask me my highlight of 2023, this is what I say. The, the entire year, this is my highlight. Um, I went to Kenya thinking, I'm going to teach these children a song. That's what I want to do. A song that they'll remember when they're older and they can teach their children or, you know, that is, yeah. that's what I want to do. Um, so wrote a song about 
well, I found a song about self-worth and loving your body. Um, and I thought, that's the one. That's what I'm going to teach them. And then I got to the first school and I thought, these children don't know English. <laughs> this is going to be a challenge. So changed the words slightly. Yeah. So it was a little bit easier. Um, and taught these children this song. Yeah. And it was all about your body. So we had to do lessons on what a body is, mm -hmm. about self-image, about portrait, about differences between one person and another. Yeah. And there was a lot of work that went into it that you might not necessarily see. Um, but it'd be, So I'd, I'd get there. And when I first arrived, they were saying, I want your skin. I want your hair. I want to look like you. And, you know, well, the, the older children would yeah, say, I yeah, want your hair. Yeah. And um, I'd say, no, you're beautiful. No, no, no. And then at the end, um, when I left that school, I loved my hair and I loved my skin. Yeah. And I thought, wow, wow, that is... That's fantastic. Yeah, and I have a video um, of that as well, okay. which maybe we could share. Yeah. I have the first day that I tried teaching them the song and they were just looking at me thinking, <laughs> what is she saying? <laughs> and then the last day of them singing shouting screaming <laughs> this song um so that okay. that was That's so powerful. rewarding so rewarding. yeah um but also your second my second sorry second my Go second on one yeah. <laughs> um is seeing the difference in the small things mm. um so the donations that the church managed to give mm. um seeing a fiver here just five pounds will feed six, uh, like a family of six for a month. And actually being able to really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And coming home as well and thinking at Christmas, oh, we've got this and we've got this and we've got this and we've got yeah, this and they yeah. haven't really, they haven't got that, you know? Yeah. Just really being able to appreciate what we've got um, and maybe not going above and beyond like, we always do because we think that's what we have to do yeah. we really don't yeah. um and so where next where next yeah. uh back to canterbury okay. <laughs> <laughs> so i have realized that you know everyone always says in sunday school with any with god you can do anything yeah. and you kind of like yes 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 you can <laughs> but i've now experienced that firsthand and realized yes you really can if you put god in the center if it's meant to be, if it's God's will, then it will be. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm really trying to listen to that now and really tune into that. Um, so I'm going to be the new lay chaplain wow. for the chaplaincy team. Yeah. Fantastic. So working amongst other Christians and yeah. um, kind of helping publicity and social media and some of the admin, you Wonderful. know, just being stuck into wherever I need to go yeah, and yeah, being available, yeah. you know. And keeping an open mind. Keeping an open mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Mel, that was so wonderful, so inspiring. Thank you. Um, I can sense that energy here. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for being here. Thank you so much for being willing to share 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 your story over the last, last few months and what God has done through you and through many others in such a powerful way. Thank you. Thanks again. Can I also just say um, thank you to everyone who did donate of and course. to message me and checked in with me yeah. because even when I was really, really struggling, um, that kept me going. It, it was, yeah. So thank you to everybody. <laughs> Thanks again.
Good morning. Good to see you all. I have my trusty strepsils with me this morning, so bear with, just in case. Now I should be all right, and uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, all that kind of stuff that's going on this morning. Uh, it was lovely, actually, the song before this one, Build My Life, um, uh, just Saturday morning, um, as elders, we met in the lounge out the back, just to kind of take some time out and seek God on a few things that are going on, and that song was what we um, sung, we worshipped to on Saturday morning. And I wrote three things down that's in that um, chorus. Show me, fill me, and lead me. Show me, fill me, and lead me. And as we go through this series uh, looking at bless... Um, I, I really was struck by the fact that we, we sometimes struggle with this word serve. But this is where we seek Christ in stuff. And we say, show me, Father. Fill me with your spirit and lead me to those around us. Now last week, uh, Andy was uh, pretty good. Yeah. PowerPoint going? Yeah, there we go. Andy was pretty good in uh, mentioning uh, the aspect of eat, uh, spending time with others, getting to know them over a meal. Uh, He mentioned Langar, which is the Sikh uh, eating hall. I have eaten many times in a Langar, uh, as we've done supported trips uh, for schools, etc. And their generosity is amazing. And the food, oh, a lovely spicy dal is just what you want on a school trip. Uh, and it was just wonderful. The kids were like, what's this? And I'm like, just give me more. And, and one of the ladies said, you look like you need another chapati. And I went, no, I don't. <laughs> I look like I don't need any more chapatis. But it was, it was just, again, it was just like that emphasis. And, 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 and Andy like, reflected on the meals that Jesus provided and was blessed by as he spent time with those society shunned at the time. And we also got to see Andy trying to get us to believe he was the greatest footballer that the Brazilian national team had seen. Thankfully, no daughters were harmed last week as he held them to ransom with his pretend gun. And you need to watch next uh, last week to get the full context of that because that does sound a little bit weird. Matthew's Gospel, Matthew twenty twenty eight says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This sentence is the last bit of what Jesus says in a conversation that he has with his disciples who always continually seem to frustrate him. Now I've preached on this passage before and it's where the mother of two of the disciples comes up to Jesus and says, do you know when you get into your kingdom, can my sons be at the left and the right of you? Is that, is that okay? A little bit of a cheeky request from a mum who wants to see her sons elevated to the status alongside Jesus. And, and it's, it's a little bit later on, it says, when the disciples hear about this, 
It says they were kind of like really angry. They were really angry that these, uh, these disciples, their, their mum had kind of said, come on, you know, elevate them please. And Jesus' response to this, he says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials, exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This passage of scripture is really important, what Jesus was saying about who he was and what he was here to do. He was not here to be the king and lord it over people, like the Gentiles do, but to come and serve. And this is our backdrop for this morning and how we look to serve those around us, not just our Christian brothers and sisters, but those around us that need the kingdom of God in their lives. I was kind of having a little bit of a think and a recollection of when the first time I kind of like thought I served God in an active kind of thing. And the one memory I can have goes way back when I was a really small lad. I don't know how old I was. But my mum used to help with a soup run in Uxbridge, West London. Okay? And, And now and again... It would be, you know, I'd, I'd love to go and do that. I'd really love to help out. I'd love to go and see what you're doing. And it was always a little bit of a hesitation because I'm really young. But one night, I remember back in the probably late 70s, early 80s, you know, it's like, oh, come on, man, it, you know, nothing's going to hurt you. Um, and I went out with my mum, and I remember us kind of going out into the local park and taking soup in flasks and giving it to these guys, etc. And um, there was this one guy that was absolutely soaking wet, like dripping soaking wet. And uh, we'd seen him earlier on that evening, and he was dry as a bone. And we're like, what has gone on here for this guy to be completely soaking wet? And we noticed that he was carrying a four-pack of Tenant Super. Strong beer, very strong beer. And what had happened is, on his way back from the little soup run thing, he dropped the beer into the little canal. He went and got them back. <laughs> he jumped in and got them back. You know, that's, that's the kind of nature of what you were dealing with at the time. And I just remember that as a young lad going, wow, he's that desperate for a beer that he would jump into a canal, risk his life to get that back. And for me, I can remember that was the first kind of thing that then it was what could we do then for this guy to, to serve him. And it was like get as many blankets as possible. I remember scurrying around my mum trying to get him warm and all this kind of stuff. Just a tiny, tiny first little memory. I just wonder when you can kind of remember, when you just remember that first time with God where you served someone. Maybe not someone that's a Christian, but someone that isn't. Whatever that might look like. We live in a culture that feels like people lord it 
over other people. And she's going back to that Matthew passage. But for quite a while, I believe that we as church, national and global, have done that to people. And we kind of still do sometimes. I once heard a statement that the world knows what the church is against, but it doesn't know what it's for. Because the church has judged way too much, has pointed out the problems and the issues in people's lives before loving them. The church is about, and this is what I believe, the church is about Jesus' love. His welcome, his heart for others, and to see them saved in a relationship with him to become disciples. You make disciples for eternity. And he chooses us as his church to share that good news. That's what he's, he's doing. Is that what society sees of church? Is it? I believe that we have been too quick to judge and condemn before we have loved and served. It's not compromising the gospel message. But when we start off with a negative, it's not a great start, is it? I hadn't seen someone for a while, and and recently, I was hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And the first thing they said to me, ah, it's really good to see you've trimmed your beard properly. Sorry? Wasn't a great start. There's probably a reason why I haven't seen that person for a while. (laughs) But it was, it was, it was, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I haven't seen you for a while. How's it been going and everything? Good to notice your beard is trim. The reason why I asked the question, and it says, we are the bad guys, is I've got this book. You know me, I keep picking up these books. I read a book, and then in the book it says, this is a really good book to read. And before you know it, you're like, oh, my days, I've got to get that one as well now. This is actually called Being the Bad Guys. How to live for Jesus in a world that says you shouldn't. How have we become the bad guys as church? The good news of Jesus, the gospel message. And the world sees us as, man, always condemning, always pointing out my sin, always saying I'm doing this wrong and flipping it, the infighting. And don't talk to me about the wars that religion has started. We've become the bad guys. And this book, I think, and it says on the back here, this book isn't about how to stop being the bad guys, it's about how to be the best bad guy you can be. <laughs> I quite like that. I'm like, okay, I can still be a bad guy, but uh, I'm going to be the best I can be. Like an anti-hero, I suppose. But I just like, I I haven't read it yet. I've bought it. I'm ready to read it. I'll see how it goes. I'll let you know. But it's interesting, isn't it? We're no longer the good guys. We're seen as the bad guys. We're seen as the bad guys. How do we change that? Well, in the book, the blessed book we've been looking at, and I mentioned it when I first kicked this off, it's, it's about becoming blessers not converters. People aren't objects of us, we need to convert them. It's about how can we bless people into the kingdom. Andy spoke last week about his casual Christian demeanour. I quite liked that. I wrote it down. I was writing lots of notes down last week as he was speaking. It says his his casual Christian demeanour and how that served others 
better than some of the evangelistic ways that they were doing stuff at college and uni, all that kind of stuff. Like the projects kind of stuff. Just being himself. Now, I know of a young man like that. He has a calm, reassuring nature that looks to befriend, not judge, just walks with people in life, offering leadership, love and support to those God brings into his life. Through his faith and character in Jesus, he's led two people so far to Christ. And I love watching that. And so many of his friends are intrigued by his faith. There's nothing he does, I'm not going to say who it is, there's nothing he does, this young man, that is kind of like in your face, kind of preachy, teachy, Jesus-y stuff. He just walks with them, just befriends people. He's just really nice. And people are intrigued as to what he has that they haven't. And that's when it just comes out, oh, Christian. It's about Jesus. And I've loved seeing that in this young man. And personally, I think that this is the greatest way to share faith. Not to panic, just remain calm. In Jesus, don't sweat it, be nice. We remember the bit in Toy Story where where the the, the lad that's kind of destroying all the the sister's toys and everything else like that, and all the toys kind of like scare him a little bit, and the last thing that Woody says is just like, be nice. And it's like, actually, that's what we need to be. We need to be more and more like Jesus, his character, his personality, and less like... Mel, it was great to see Mel's faith story this morning and one of the many things I took from it was what she said near the beginning I loved seeing the picture of all the sports equipment and the reason why I like that is because when we were at the football club someone won some money on the 50-50 if you don't know what that is, it's a little bit of gambling but we don't go there so he won some money And he just turned around to us as football pastors and he said, can you use this? And I was like, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Can have a lovely meal out. Thank you very much. (laughs) He said, can you use it for a family or something? And I was just like, I had the money in the coat, the pastor's coat that I've got for the football. And I was just saying, Lord, what do we do do with this? Is it a family locally or something like that? And I just remember that Mel's out in Kenya. And I I just messaged her and I said, what sports equipment has the school got? She went, two skipping ropes that are tangled and knotted. I was like, right, that's what we're doing. And, and it was great that this person had, he's not a Christian, he's just somebody that serves at the football club. He's one of the, 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 the stewards. He, he, he's not paid, but he loves going and serving, whatever he can do for the club. And here he is giving money to me that went out to Kenya and bought the sports equipment for that school. And like they me the videos of them kicking a ball around and tennis balls flying everywhere and skipping ropes, getting tangled, but the more of them getting tangled. And it was just great, and a lovely message from the head teacher. And, and, and it's something that Mel said um, that I've picked up on more, is when she said, I wanted to do it for me and my strength, in my strength, but realised it needed to be for God and in his strength. 
This is how we should serve others. In his strength. As we combine all of the letters um, of of what we're looking at, bless, uh, we see them as a whole. This, this book's meant to be read, and this series is about the whole. It's not like, right, we've done that, now we're doing that. It's a whole. That we begin with prayer. That we're listening. That we're eating with. And we are serving those that God has put in front of us. I hold back on the last S story, because that's next week. But serving others can be very difficult when your focus is in what you get out of it. What will I get out of this, Lord? It's it's not about you. It's about what you're doing for others. Serving is sacrificial. That's a struggle in our society. It's amazing, actually, the amount of conversations I've had with people when they say what we're doing as a church, etc. I say, well, who does it? Oh, I say, volunteers. Volunteers. And the finances of the church is from, from, from the members, from people. What? They give their money to the church and they give their time to church. I said, yeah. It's called serving. It's called about helping others. Wow. That's amazing. Serving is sacrificial. And that's a struggle in our society. We hear, and we've probably said it as well, well, the government should be doing that. The council should be doing that. Pay my taxes, pay my council tax. I'm not going to go into the bins. Leave that there. I'm going to leave it there. I did complain, and I felt really bad when I'd done it. Just like, let it go, mate. But when you see those bags moving across the road <laughs> when the wind is blowing, and you're navigating, it's, like it's, it's literally like slalom. It's like a racetrack. It's like flipping neck. There's a blue one, there's a white one. My sister came down and, and visited for a while and, and we went out for a, a drive to go and get something and that's exactly what happened. She goes, what is going on here? It's just like bags everywhere. But anyway, leave that. That shouldn't. And we kind of like say, yeah, the government probably should, but if we waited around for local and national authorities to get on the case, we're going to be here a long time. Who originally started social care of society? The church. Yeah, what we do as church sometimes is say, well, the government does that, and they do that. So we sit back a little bit. So I pay my taxes, they should be doing that. I'm not saying that we've all got to rush out now and go and do social care, but we've given that kind of responsibility to the state, and now we're kind of moaning a little bit. We want it back. And I think that's actually something we need to think about. As community pastor, that's what I'm kind of focusing on. How do we help others? Luke 9, 23 to 24 says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Serving others is about giving up your way of living for his way. What Mel said is like putting God at the centre of it all. When you start to put God at the centre of it all, you will find serving others becomes just that heart of what God wants us to do. In um, the, the, the book, the Ferguson Brothers, 
uh, use some scripture and three words to emphasise the ways that Jesus served others as he continued in his mission. And this is, um, sorry, it's a little bit small, but you can probably, I'll read it out. It says that Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue, looking up to heaven. He sighed and said, Ephatha, which means be opened. Instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. The three words for us to consider, proximity, personally and powerfully. In verse 32 of this passage, the deaf person is brought to Jesus. Jesus served those that were in front of him. That's the proximity thing. We see throughout the Gospels, even when the, the, the woman with a, a blood issue touched the hem of his garment from behind, he turns, the scripture says, he turned and saw her. Jesus turns to see you. He turns to see you. He sees your pain. He knows your need. Who is in your proximity that you need to turn and see? Who is around you? Who is in front of you? Don't worry about everyone else, but who is in front of you? Is it a neighbour, a friend, a work colleague, family member? Interesting, this region of Tyre and Sidon were just north of the Galilee. And his journey to Decapolis would, would take a route um, through Galilee, or pretty much back through Jesus' own backyard territory. And, and some commentators said it is God wanted to keep Jesus in close proximity to those that he had lived with, that he'd grown up with, that he knew. Because they knew who he was. They had that relationship with them. In the same way, God is sending you to serve people in your proximity. Those around you, in your path, maybe on the journey with you. In verse 33, we read that Jesus led this guy away from the crowd so they could be alone. Now publicly, this man would have been ridiculed. Mocked for his speech problem due to his being deaf. Humans can be so cruel, but Jesus isn't. He doesn't make this a public spectacle. He sees the man, his needs and the shame that he feels. Jesus serves him with dignity. 
Jesus goes beyond dealing with the obvious needs. He looks beyond and into the man's very soul, bringing healing to more than just him being deaf. Who do we know that needs this kind of serving in their lives? It's not about the public spectacle. It's about the unseen. Jesus takes the man aside, a quiet place. What's the problem? And powerfully, Ephartha, be opened, is what Jesus said. The miracle in this encounter. Let's not forget there's a miracle that happens in this encounter. And as we serve, we need to expect a miracle. And that God will use us. Do we believe that? Do we? (laughs) Me? I hear you say. Me? No way. I couldn't do this. Certainly not going to be spitting on my fingers and rubbing it in people's... Jesus can do this. Me, no. John 14, 12 to 14 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son of Man can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Do we believe this? We struggle. We struggle to believe that we have got the same power in us that rose Lazarus from the grave. I wonder if it's because we we pray kind of thinking that only God can do this, not me. As Wayne says, don't hear me wrong. It is God who does the healing, but I believe he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus speaks to the deafness. F. Arthur, be opened. He has power and authority which he has given to us. Do we speak our prayers with authority? Not an arrogant authority, but an authority that God is going to use us. I've prayed for someone before, and I've told an evil spirit to be quiet, or I've I've, I've told an evil spirit to leave a place, and it has. I've prayed for people to be healed, and I've seen them healed, people in this very room. Does it work every time I pray for someone? No. Do I doubt sometimes that I can see someone healed through my prayers? Yes. Do I still have a go and pray for people knowing they may or may not be healed? Absolutely, because it's not about me. It's not about what I think I can't do. It's about what God can do through me through his spirit. We need just to be willing to kind of step out in faith a little bit and be confident that God can use us, recognise his spirit in us and die to our way of thinking. Serving is so much more 
than just offering to make a cup of coffee for someone. Although that is really nice at the end of the service when someone does bring your coffee up. Just letting you know. It's more than just clearing your neighbour's lawn of leaves. Serving is about all of these other things. It's about praying for your sick neighbour, for their healing, or for a work colleague in a hopeless marriage, that they would be reconciled. That's all part of the serving, that you would put them in your prayers. You serve them. It's the most simple way you can do it. Put them into your prayers. Gather them up. Lift them up before the king. Serving others is who Jesus is, the servant king. And when we serve, we access God's power. We need to believe that, have that confidence that as we serve, we, we, we have access to God's power. Jesus swapped a crown for an apron. What would it look for you to take off your crown and put on an apron? We're all saved. Many of us in the room has accepted Christ. And a crown awaits us in glory. But right here, right now on earth, God needs people willing to set aside that crown, to put on an apron and serve those God has placed right in front of you, right in your life, especially those that aren't in his kingdom yet. So we begin with prayer. We listen, we eat, we serve. And next week, it's all about story. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that your son did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, I pray for each one of us here this morning that we would put you at the centre, that we would die to ourselves and recognise that we are here to serve those around us. Father, those that are in front of us, that proximity. To, Father, have that confidence that you will use us by the power of your Spirit in us. And I pray for every single person that maybe is just doubting that little bit. And that's, that's okay, Father, but Lord, would you... Build in us confidence as we pray for those around us, as we see you answer, that it would give us that rise of faith. Father, we thank you and bless you for your son and his example that we need to follow. Father, may we take off our crowns and put on an apron to serve your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.